Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Oh, I love you guys so much. I am so excited about our show today. I don't want to do too many PSAs just because I'm obsessed. You know them. You love them. Everyone within the sound of my voice has had an Auntie Anne pretzel, okay? I I mean, everyone has had one. If you haven't, what is wrong with you? Do you live under a rock? (laughs) I mean, these pretzels give me life, okay? And today we have the founder of Auntie Anne's pretzels on the show. Her name is Ann Byler. Uh, Welcome to the show, Thank you, Autumn. I mean, with your enthusiasm, this is going to be a great show. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. Okay. We are all obsessed with your pretzels. Uh, Did you ever have any idea that they would be such a phenomenon? Oh, of course not. I grew up in an (laughs) Amish home, and I uh, I never even knew about the word career, so... Uh, in our in our culture, it was very common to go to farmers markets, and there you take your baked goods, your meat, your cheese, whatever, your garden um, vegetables, and um, so that's where we started with Auntie Anne's. It was a comfortable place, and I thought I was going to be there for the rest of my life. You oh, <laughs> so you started Auntie Anne's pretzels in a farmers market. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. In, yeah. in Pennsylvania, I think it says in, from my notes. Is that's that right? correct. In Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And I had no plans to go any further than that. That so, is crazy. So what made you, you, what, why the pretzel? Why the pretzel? Like, what uh, was it about the pretzel that was like, this is it? You know, I, I don't even know. You know, God had a plan that was much bigger than our, ours. And we just um, happened to buy a store, a stand. That was selling soft pretzels, and uh, so we just followed uh, what they were, what they already had there, and uh, perfected the recipe, which I don't have time to talk about today. But you know, Auntie Anne's is really a modern day business miracle, and God created Auntie Anne's as a vehicle to give. That's what I know about Auntie Anne's, and that's what I can tell you. Do you actually know? <laughs> you probably now. I know you sold the business in 2005, but do you do you know how many malls? How many how many stores do you yeah. have right now? We're we're in about nine, uh, probably about 1,900 uh, <laughs> locations in 25 uh, countries and in 48 states. So when you ask your <laughs> listeners, do you live under a rock somewhere? I'm kind of like, where in the world do they live? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, well, we need to hear from them so you can put an Annie Ann's where they are. That's well, correct. That's correct. Okay, let me tell you about um, the pretzels. My kids are so obsessed with your pretzels. It is Aww. out of control. My husband <laughs> likes the almond one. There's an almond mm-hmm. one. He, he loves the that's, almond one. That's my, my favorite. Okay. My favorite. Mm-hmm. I personally like the cinnamon and sugar, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to mm-hmm. go for that. My older kids, I have four kids, Anne, okay. Mm-hmm. My older kids awesome. like like the pizza ones. And uh-huh. my, my babies, I have two four-year-olds, they like the little bites. 
Okay. So when we go to the mall, it's like we spend $300 at Andy's pretzels, getting everyone what they like. You may be you may be very upset with me by this little tidbit of information I'm about to give you. When oh, we started me. Auntie Anne's at the farmer's market, we were selling a product for 55 cents a piece, three for $1.50. And you just said you spent $300. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, the inflation rate right there. No, it's not $300. It's right, it's right. But it's always a stop. But we go to we go to North Park a lot. And, well, you're from the Dallas area, so you know you know North Park, I'm sure. But here, yeah. here we'll go to the food court, which you know is, like, right down mm-hmm. from Auntie Anne's pretzels. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you just ate. I know, but we need a pretzel. You just <laughs> ate. Can we not wait an hour? And my kids are like, no, Mom, we need a pretzel. Um, anyway. Uh, I was so excited just because when I tell my kids that you were on my show, they're going to freak out. You're like a celebrity in our house. I would love to meet you and your kids one day. Well, next time you're going to be in studio with your next book and then we'll, we'll do uh, this thing. Absolutely. Love it. Okay. Now I want to get to your book (laughs) because, you know, I think sometimes we look at these really uber successful business men and women And we don't realize the background that they sort of came from. And you have written a book, The Secret Lies Within, an outside look at overcoming trauma and finding purpose in the pain. Um, Now, it released uh, earlier in September, but I, I, uh, I don't even know where to start with this because I feel like um, we know the end result. But sometimes I feel like people that go through such traumatic things like you went through can't see the end result. So I want to encourage Mm -hmm. my listeners. Here we have the founder of Annie Ann's Pretzels on the show today. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the end result. That's what God Mm -hmm. can do. That's what he wants to do Mm -hmm. in you and through Mm -hmm. you. But sometimes Mm -hmm. the beginning doesn't look like the end, right? Can you give me, can you, can you just take me there? The secret lies within overcoming trauma. What was some of the trauma that you sort of went through earlier in your life? Well, let me tell you, um, uh, first of all, God is good. And yes, my story, uh, there is a very happy and redemptive uh, ending to my story, which which would give every uh, listener hope for their story. So that's why I'm here today. And, you know, it's true, um, uh, Autumn, in our pain, we do not see the future because in our pain, uh, we feel, I don't know, there's all, all kinds of things that we experience. But for me, it was, I felt... Um, I felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt unlovable, unforgivable. I felt unchangeable. Mm. Like in our pain, depending on the depth of it, we feel stuck and we find ourselves in this very uh, dark place and alone. And I love a quote by Dr. Richard Dobbins who says that alone we die, connected we live. And let me tell you, in our pain, very often we feel alone. And because we feel alone, we begin to isolate and we begin to withdraw. Mm. And then, in fact, emotionally, we are alone. And so that was my experience um, after my husband and I, who, who, by the way, we're married 51 years in September. That should tell you something about 51 my happy ending 51 years? <laughs> 51. I know. I know. <laughs> wow, I know. Congratulations. That means I am an old lady. I'm in that category, but it's all right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm okay with it. But uh, but it. the point is, it's miraculous that we're still together, and, mm. and it is part of God's redemptive plan, you know, to redeem all things mm. for his children. So 
Um, so as we began our married life out of the Amish and the Amish Mennonite culture, and my, my only desire and dream was to have children and to have a family like my mom and dad did. There was eight of us kids on the farm, and um, it, it was an idyllic, and it was safe and very secure, maybe a little bit naive and maybe a, quite a bit of ignorance about the world and its surroundings, but we had enough information uh, to understand the world in which we live. We were not in a co- commune. So, um, but, but my community was very, very God-fearing. Uh, my parents taught me to love God, keep his commandments, and I believed if I did that, that God would be very, very pleased with me. And if I was a really good girl, then he would bless me. Mm. I also believed that if I was, if I slipped and fell and I displeased him or I was an outright bad girl, that he would be displeased with me. Mm. And so my theology, which I know today, seven decades later, was not very good at that time. But my theology at that time was that life is good mm. and God is harsh. Mm. Wow. Today, my life's experiences tell me this. Autumn, life is hard, mm. but God is good. Amen. And wow. I no longer confuse the two. And I want our listeners to hear that today, because when we believe that life should be good, then we begin to blame God when things are bad. Mm. But when we understand that we live in a fallen world and life can be, and for most of us, we experience some of it at some point in our life, some more than others, but life can be hard. Mm. But if we understand the truth that God is good, Mm. we will not be confused when tragedy and trauma strikes us. Yes, we can. We respond with pain. We respond in grief. Mm. We respond with unbelief, disbelief, like, why did this happen to me? But let me tell you, this theology that I now believe, which is based on the word of God, is that God is good all the time and life is hard. It has put such a strong and a firm foundation in the very depth of my soul mm. that when tragedy strikes or when heartaches happen, uh, it, in, they come in all forms, you know. Uh, today, I stand firm in the belief that it's not God's fault. Mm. It's mm. because we live on planet Earth and we are human beings. People make bad choices. Mm. I make bad choices. Mm. And we hurt each other. Mm. And to me... It doesn't take the pain away, but it helps me understand. Yeah. And so let me fast forward a little bit into my, my married life. It was great. My husband and I were, I mean, I hit the jackpot the day I married Joan Spiler. Mm-hmm. He was a tall, dark, and handsome man. He was a hard worker, and we set out to have our family, and we were on this spiritual uh, journey that we had just really experienced a revelation of Jesus Christ that just, uh, we were fired up mm. <laughs> in love with God. We were set out to just move out and save the whole world. <laughs> and in that place of our spiritual um, journey of just, it was an amazing time. In the early 70s, that's when the Jesus movement was happening, and it was just, uh, it was intense and, and wonderful. And it was during that time that our 19-month-old um, and 12 days, Angela Joy, I was walking from my house to my mother's house next door, and between our houses there was a barn that my dad was uh, making permastone. My sister drove the bobcat every morning, loading and unloading sand, and life was good. Life was good. In fact, it was almost perfect. Mm. And uh, But that morning, as Auntie made her way to Grandma, my sister did not see her, and as she was uh, backing up to bobcat with a load of 
day, and then she looked forward to move it forward. Angela was uh, laying in front of the bobcat, and she had been killed instantly. Oh, my goodness gracious. Ugh. Okay, trauma, wow. tragedy changes us. Yeah, wow. Mm. And that morning changed everything for me. My sister, Phi, who was traumatized mm. and has had a lifelong um, struggle with some, some of the issues surrounding that. Mm. Uh, but, and as Angie made her ascent into heaven that day, I felt the comfort wow. as a grieving mother. Like, wow, Angie's with Jesus. Mm. And I really felt that day that soon and very soon <laughs> I would be with her or that God would just fill me with such joy that she's there that mm. I was not prepared for the valley of the shadow and the grief that I experienced. And I began my gradual descent into a world of uh, spiritual confusion and emotional pain. I, mm-hmm. I want to okay. stop you right there because, yeah. Um, yeah. first of all, I, I mean, having four children myself, I, I mean, that is every mother's worst nightmare. Total, yeah. total worst nightmare, especially so tragic, so sudden. There was no even, I mean, there was no even, you, you didn't have a clue that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Woke up like a normal mm-hmm. day and, um, you know, this, this tragedy happened. Um, and, and it's so interesting. I know in my life personally, there has been several over the last couple of years, tragic losses before we move on, because I, because where we're going today, stay with us, you guys, uh, uh Anne's story is unbelievable. Um, uh, it is, is very powerful, but what do you do as a mom? I feel like there'll be there'll be people listening that have lost people to tragedy and they just can't see. What do you do? How, how do you move forward? How do you process a, a loss like that? And give us some hope and some advice. Mm. So I didn't do it very well. <laughs> um, so that's why I stayed in major depression and ended up in uh, sexual abuse by my pastor after five months of losing Angie because. I was not able to verbalize. I was not able to, it was not in my vocabulary Mm. to be able to verbalize the grief that I was feeling. And my husband and I began to separate emotionally, spiritually, and physically in every way. The Great Wall of China became, uh, it it was huge between us. There was no way to connect. Mm. And so for the listeners out there, you know, I know that I'm not alone. I know that there's many of you that have experienced trauma of all sorts, and there are many kinds of trauma. I've experienced abuse of my daughters. I've experienced the death of my child. I've experienced a near divorce uh, with my husband. So there's a few things that I've experienced, but I also understand um, I'm not alone. And there are many of you out there that have experienced uh, great losses. And my heart is filled with compassion to people everywhere that have experienced this. And I want to say the, the, the best way, I mean, this you cannot sh- shortcut the grief. So I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. you know, do a really quick, you know, prayer or a quick answer to any of this because it certainly isn't that. Yeah. But I do know hindsight, uh, Autumn, for me is very clear. I do know today that if I would have been able to be open and honest and be able to talk about my grief instead of burying it alone, crying alone, I would never, uh, it, eventually I didn't go to bed with my husband. I fall asleep on the couch so I could cry for an hour or so. Then I'd go to bed. Um, I never cried in front of my friends, never cried in church. I didn't want anyone to know how wounded I felt and how 
deeply I was grieving. That's mm-hmm. so, um, so wrong because it takes us into a world of silence and it steals our voice. And that's exactly where the enemy of our soul wants us to be. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you the best way to get through this is for you to find someone, spouse is great, husband or wife, if you can be together on this, that's great. But very often we grieve so differently, sometimes it's hard to connect. But there are books, there are groups, there are grief counselors, there are friends that really don't know what to say to you. So it's really okay for the grieving person to go to somebody and say, listen, you know what, I'm not doing okay. I don't know what to say about it. I don't know how to talk about this, but can you just come and can we just like try to talk about my grief? Mm. It's really important to get through this is to be able to verbalize and to try to talk about how you're feeling. But we're living in a society where I believe that it's very hard and very difficult for us, number one, to listen to anyone because we have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> we, we want to fix everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there is power in listening to those who are grieving. And if you can pay attention to them, mm-hmm. there will be times when you can come alongside them and just ask them, mm-hmm. can you tell me? how you're doing. Can you just tell me how you're doing? Mm -hmm. So that's the person that is well. Mm -hmm. That can be our response to someone that's going through tragedy and the person that's going through the tragedy, I would say be courageous enough to move out toward someone that you feel safe with and that you can trust and begin to unload and talk about how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. There's really not a right or wrong way to feel. What you feel is what you feel. I love a quote from my husband. He says, your feelings are not meant to be judged. Mm. Your feelings are meant to be experienced. Yeah. And very often it's good to experience it with someone else. That's great advice. I want to, I want to continue on your story here. So you lost your, um, your precious daughter, very early, crazy, tragic circumstances. But it led you into an affair, an unlikely affair. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, and that's where um, my pastor at that time, um, after five months of grieving deeply, I, I didn't know where to go because I was embarrassed that I was not an overcoming Christian. I was mm. feeling, uh, I was feeling defeated, and Satan was telling me, you know what, you know what, you're never going to get through this. You're not going to get over this. And and if you're really a good Christian, you would feel more victorious. You would be more victorious, and so. All of those things that became um, a lie were lies to me, but I didn't realize that at the time took me then um, to my pastor after he invited me to come to his office. And uh, as I as I spilled my heart, I realized, wow, I, I can talk about this. I just need somebody to listen. And he listened carefully. And as we talked, I felt relief and thinking, wow, this is amazing to me. And But before I left his office, he took advantage of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was shocked and I had no idea what like just happened because I didn't understand abuse of spiritual power. I didn't understand sexual abuse. I, I knew that there was a line crossed, but I didn't understand. And But because I didn't understand, I walked out the door and I decided it's my fault that he did this mm. and I am going to keep it a secret. So the choice I made that day took me into... 25 years of mild to major depression, Mm. and it took me into seven years of abuse regularly 
by my pastor, still attending the church oh and um, still going to church, still doing all my Christian things and still putting on a smile and saying, I'm just fine. So when did you realize, when did you have the aha moment that he was abusing mm-hmm. you, manipulating you? Um, when, when was that light bulb? When did that go off? Yeah, and that, I write about that in my book. And I can tell you, at first, uh, abusers, perpetrators really make you very dependent on them. Mm-hmm. And you end up having a lifeline only to them. That's it. So you become very dependent on them. So that, that was happening for, for a long time. The light bulb went on for me uh, many years afterwards when, uh, during this time, I was having, uh, there was three types of confessions that I made. One was the bedside prayer, which we do as believers. It's an awesome privilege we have. Every time we go in our sin, our shame, our failures, our faults, our despair, Jesus always hears us. Yeah. He is our lifeline. Yeah. And so I did that, the bedside prayers. And the number two was the journaling, which uh, David is a great example. King David in the book of Psalms, journal, write down how you feel. And the third part of my uh, revelation was the one to another confession found in James five sixteen. If we confess one to another, uh, pray for one another, then we'll be healed. And the one to another confession is something that I feel like we don't practice enough yes. today in the body of Christ. We cannot be real. We have to pretend that we are somebody we're not. We don't want anyone to see our scars and our wounds and our sin and all these things. But this is the one to another confession that I write about in the book. As I was praying one day, God just said to me, get up off your knees and and go tell your husband the one to another confession, which at that time, I didn't call it the one to another confession. It was just like, <laughs> I got to confess to my husband. Are you kidding? I can't do this. Wow. And God just uh, pursued me with that thought for that morning. And I finally get up off my knees and palms sweating, heart racing, everything in my body saying, no, I can't do that. Because I knew if I did that, that Jonas would divorce me. There's no, there was no doubt in my mind. That's why I could not tell him this secret mm-hmm. that was ongoing for seven years. Oh my but goodness. I finally got yeah. up off my knees and that's what I did. So I want to know the confession. Hardest thing I've ever done in my and life. And what happened? Oh, let me tell you what happened. So at that time, I weighed 92 pounds. I was, uh, I was a shell. I mean, oh, I wow. was lifeless. Oh. I was um, falling apart from the inside out, constant headaches. Mm. I was having trouble with my knees. I weighed 92 pounds. My back was bothering me. I went to the doctor on two occasions. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I was falling apart from the inside out. When I went to tell my husband uh, what, uh, what was going on in my life, I, the only thing I could say, two sentences, and as he came out from behind his office uh, at his body shop, I said to him, "Hon, you heard about the women. By now there was uh, rumors spreading about other women, which were me, my two sisters, two of my friends. Oh, my goodness. And um, so it was starting to come out, which none of us knew about the other. And so I said to him, you heard about the rumors? And he kind of looked at me and said yes. And I just said, uh, I'm one of those women. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, and I'm a sorry person. And the look on his face made me turn around and walk away. There was no, no, not one word from him. I didn't give him time to say anything. There were no hugs, no tears, no forgiveness. Uh, if you could just picture, I was a shell. Mm. And there was nothing left for me to do except make that harsh, hard confession. Mm. But little did I know mm. that was the beginning of God's redemption. When I say the beginning, I mean the very beginning, but it was a start that took us into this redemption that today uh, it's really about bringing your deeds into the light. Mm, yeah. And the Bible says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, yeah. 
Only then will we have fellowship one with another, and then we will be cleansed with the blood of Christ. Yes. That was the beginning. It's all about autumn. It's about bringing our deeds into the light so that we can live mm. in freedom. And as I say that to you, freedom to me is, is infinity. There's, it's more than knowing Christ the day you accept him into your life. Mm. It's more than that. Mm. <laughs> it's bigger. It's taller, wider, deeper. Uh, yeah. Mm. The light and the freedom that God has for us is more than any of us. No. Amen. I, I have to tell you, unfortunately, we're running out of time. But, I know. Uh, we have a, we have not a similar story. I was in an abusive mm. um, relationship mm. for seven years. So I totally oh, understand the manipulation mm. and how they mm. uh, they they are your lifeline. What you said is just mm-hmm. so incredibly true. Um, I want to challenge my listeners today. I, I really feel like this has a lot to do with secrets. I know your childhood, um, Mm. you know, you sort of were taught to suppress your feelings. Don't talk about it. And which which kind of led into, um, you know, Mm -hmm. you keeping uh, secrets of how you feel and stuff like that. I want to challenge that person that's listening today that maybe you have a secret Mm. or you Mm. are struggling with something secretly. This is your book. The secret lies within an outlook Mm. at overcoming Mm. trauma and finding Mm purpose in the pain you heard it from the woman herself founder of annie ann's and thank you so much for being on our show today and just sharing your heart with us i am so honored um autumn thank you for your time and god bless you uh as you shine the light where you are thank you thank you so much and thank you for listening out there you can uh reach me right back here tomorrow on the autumn mile show The Autumn Miles Show is listener-supported, and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.